this week on the Sport Blokes. This week, get fucking comfy. Because <laughs> we've been away for a while and there's a lot to talk about. Oh, there sure is. A ton of NBA, a ton of AFL. Which we fire up about. A ton of cricket. Lots. Really lots. Let's go. It's 8.20 on Saturday, the 1st of July, 2023. And it's also 10.24 on Tuesday, the 4th of July. After we recorded on Saturday night, we watched several hours of the fourth day of the second test. And obviously, well, unless you've been living under a rock, a lot of water has passed under that bridge, hasn't it, Stewie? We decided in the end to split our recording across these two sessions into two different episodes. As always, check timestamps and all that. There's some great schadenfreude for anyone who hates the Swans or Eagles. But anyway, there'll be bits from both recordings in both episodes. Here we go for part one. Let's first cut back to some very level-headed chat from Saturday. And then we'll come back to some fireworks from tonight's recording straight after that. And after a few weeks off, we're back. Of like, my partner in crime with me as usual. It feels like a few years. <laughs> it does feel like a it long time. It seriously does. Like we're sitting in Is front of the- I don't think it's how long we're break between drink i mean i did a couple without you early in the uh it just it feels weird we were sitting here before saying just doesn't feel right no just not yet anyway no and we've already uh talked plenty of sport not in front of a microphone that quick chat uh, a couple of nights after i'd been back went for an hour and a half it did we had, we had to call so we, at 12 35 yeah. <laughs> it was on sunday night yeah it was a big one hang on good yeah good lots of just lots of stuff Lots of stuff. Lots of different sports. Pretty much everything but comedy, I reckon. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. We're yeah. not going to discuss everything, obviously. I mean, no, well, we can't. We can't possibly. Yeah, I mean, there's been, what, State of Origin Rugby. We won't talk about that. There's no. French Open Tennis. We won't talk about that. No, well, and even the things we will talk about are pretty far behind in the rearview mirror, but we'll very talk true. about them in our own little way. Thank you very much to you, whether you're a regular listener, a first-time listener, or somewhere in between. Thank you very much also for liking and subscribing, those of you that do. Opening powers, Shui. Well, as we said, it's been a while. There's so many different things that we could talk about. I wanted to talk quickly about one of the coolest things I've seen in Major League Baseball. I'm going to actually steal the baseball from you this time. <laughs> yes, um, I see Shohei's making a lot of headlines. Yeah, well, I mean, he's absolutely taking the piss right now. Just a couple of things. I know you obviously love talking about him. I've done the research on him this week. Seventh in the league in batting average, leads the league in home runs, equal top in RBIs, equal fifth in hits, and he's a pitcher. Yeah. I saw a progress stat the other day where he had 10 strikeouts and two homers already and the match wasn't complete yet. Yep. That's how nuts it is. Insane. And apparently even the kind of historians and the people that grasp onto the good old days are beginning to say, this guy could be the greatest ever. So yeah, long way to go. Oh, yeah, long way to go. But yeah, but- certainly if you, if, you, if you extrapolate these numbers out to a full career or certainly close to those numbers, he's going to be right up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you got more in baseball. Yeah, so I wanted to take a moment to give this massive shout-out to Domingo Herman of the Yankees. So 22nd of June against the Seattle Mariners, he had an absolute shocker. Gave up 10 runs in three and a third innings, four home runs, Seattle wins 10-2. In his very next outing on the 28th of June at Oakland, he pitched just the 24th perfect game in World Series era. So we're talking since 1903. Yeah, wow. <laughs> So, what a difference in a couple of days. Yeah. Man. So for anyone who maybe doesn't follow baseball, what that means is he retired all 27 batters he faced without a single one of them reaching base, which is incredibly difficult. No to hits. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. You, know, you, yeah. Can, you can talk one that hits high on the bat and bloops into, you know, sort of shallow 
field somewhere and basically they end up on, on base. So in, incredible to do that. It's actually the first perfect game since Felix Hernandez in 2012. First time in MLB history a guy's thrown a perfect game after allowing 10 or more in their previous start and the first Dominican player to do so. Very so good. Very, very cool. The Yankees won that one at 11-0. Yeah, well, you'd hope so. Well, the, the previous one that Hernandez was a one nothing game. Right. So there's actually right. quite a few of them were, were very low scoring games. I had a quick look back at a few. Oh, and the other thing as well that makes it even more impressive is Uncle passed away two days before the game as well. Wow. So on top of it being a really bad previous game, he's also dealing with that grieving. And so, yeah, big deal. Huge. Now, the other MLB moment I wanted to mention the other day, game between the Chicago White Sox and Shohei Otani's LA Angels, 1-1 at the bottom of the ninth, Mike Trout on third base for the Angels, and the pitcher delivers this wild pitch which flies off to the back, allows Trout to score from third base, and the Angels celebrate as the camera pan to see the back of the pitcher with his name visible. That name? Bummer. (laughs) Yes, Aaron Bummer delivered the unfortunate pitch, and social media had a fucking field day as they would and great production from the the broadcasters by the sounds of things perfect (laughs) the timing was just spot on now i possibly saved the best for last oh nathan question without notice yep what do you reckon the biggest loss in association level soccer is ever oh association level soccer i reckon i reckon it's outrageous so I could probably make a guess and then double it, to quote the great Niall Standish. Go on. I'll I'll say I'll say seventy four nil. Not even close. All right. A hundred and forty nine nothing. So I should have doubled that. You should have doubled. Yeah, wow. you would have been one off. Wow. There you go. Wow. So it comes from the. It's from the. Well, was that one? Australia had a massive one. Thirty-six nothing. Yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah they've, they've been one of the the South Pacific Islands. Oh no, nations. that was sorry. That was thirty-one nothing. I think right. Archie Thompson scored thirteen in that. There was a thirty-six nothing in a Scottish Cup game. Uh, I don't know when that was. A while back, but. Yikes. So yeah, the last match of a four-team round robin to determine the two thousand and two Madagascar National Championship. It does go back a while, obviously. A little bit of a backstory on this one. So in one of the previous games, this team is called so Sole Hermine. It's a real French sounding thing because Madagascar's got a bit of French. They drew 2-2 with DSA and Tananarivo after a very controversial late penalty. And that's handed the premiership to a team called AS Adema. The last game saw AS Adema play this Sole Hermine. Mm, close. No, it's Sole Hermine, I believe it's pronounced. And their players decided to protest by continually scoring own goals, handing Edema the 149-0 victory. Yep, every kickoff. I'd, wow, I didn't see that coming. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's basically two a minute. Well, yeah, it's, it's one nearly, point, yeah, nearly. Point, 1.66 per minute. Yeah, yeah. basically. Jeez. Now, unsurprisingly, their coach and several players were suspended. This is a record that will be very, very tough to beat. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know the legit high score because that's a bit the legit one would be 36 i believe oh you reckon it's yeah be that scottish one 36 wow. now, yeah yeah see kind of buried the lead a little bit here i believe you've got some stories and uh, some news for us you i do come, come back from a lovely trip to kosamu i do i have it was lovely it exceeded my expectations it's a beautiful place the people are wonderful and i had high expectations i spoke to a number of people that had uh, had already been there but it was even better than I could have imagined. Really good mix of relaxation and traveling and doing adventures and seeing cool things and going to cool places. 
So yeah, and very. Oh, oh, and and I might have popped the question too. Bloody hell, Nathan! <laughs> so lax about this. Drops it on a in the middle of some group chat. The other well, day. I did that on purpose because I wanted to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was seeing if Tamian Martin is still a celebrant because. Yeah. yeah. So my reaction was, Nate, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, very very exciting news. Now, sports podcasts. So, got to kind of concentrate on the sports stuff. So, in the departure lounge in Perth, there was this guy wearing a San Antonio Spurs jumper. I reckon he's had it for thirty years. It was so cool. It was so loved and worn. And like, on it had the Fiesta colors. Love them. They were kind of like, I reckon they were like a different material, or they were like fleecy and bumped out, if that makes sense. Okay. And they were so, like the blue part of it was so worn down, it wasn't funny. Yeah, right. I, I really wanted to have a chat with him. I kind of wish I, I wish I did, but I didn't in the end. But a, cu- a couple of other interesting things. Just by chance, from KL to to Bangkok, was sitting next to a journalist who was going over there for the Asia Cup. So that was kind of cool. Talked to her a little bit about the Asia Cup soccer. I better mention her what she referred to as the greatest football team in the world, East Bengal. I'm not quite sure they're the greatest football team in the world. Shout out to her team. Uh... Push Barcelona hard luck. <laughs> no, but. Honestly, thoughts to your then girlfriend, now fiance, for probably how bored she would have been on. Well, no, she knows she's like soccer more than me, mate. Yeah, no, but oh, well, actually, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, well, we, can, we can talk soccer the whole way by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it's just interesting. The other sports stuff from my trip, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's funny. So we did these Thai cooking classes, which were great. But there was, I was wearing my Colts hat, and uh, one of the the Yankee the the couple, she came up to me and she's like, "Oh, oh, you're a Colts fan." I'm like, yeah, Peyton Manning. She, she latched onto it immediately. Oh, Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos. Denver just won the NBA. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we can also do word association. <laughs> well, no, it was, she was excited and it was funny. And like we we talked about, so I don't know, did you see that footage of Aaron Gordon celebrating with people on the streets? I saw the photo where he basically was talking about how hungover he was. Oh, there was a video of him just mauled by a bunch of people. He's just celebrating in the streets, just living his greatest life. It was, it was funny. But uh, yeah, so we had a bit of a laugh about that, and then and then she was like, "Oh, and and now the Broncos are going to win." I'm like, "Nah, not with Russell Wilson, you're not." <laughs> so like, no oh, way. And I just saw her partner, and he just shook his head. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just enjoy the Nuggets win. I think. <laughs> well, I respect the optimism. No, 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 fantastic. Yeah, and great to see. And we'll talk about that too very shortly. Look, it can be blind optimism, but it's it, well, yes, but still, yes. Uh, I also read Phil Jackson's book about that last season when the Lakers lost to Detroit. When they had that super team with Carl Malone and Gary Payton joining them, we might have to do a bit of Nathan's book club, and I'll I'll talk through that. Talk over the name of Slava Medvedenko. <laughs> he comes up. He does he come does up. I bet he does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when it's not maybe not as busy, I'll I'll talk about that sometime because I actually took down some notes and and it's it's worth a read. It, it was an interesting read. Bit of Schadenfreude too, as a Spurs fan, of course. Yes. Even though they did eliminate us that season, but uh, a team in turmoil. But no, interesting read. And yeah, I guess the only thing is we didn't get to the Muay Thai. It was very expensive. Where neither of us are big on combat sports, and it's a lot of money to spend on something you're not all that fussed on. And yeah, so so we didn't get to that. But yeah, there's still a bit of sport here and there. And of course, the biggest part of the sport was the first test of the Ashes. But we'll get there too. We will probably in about an hour from now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we kind of said we'll just hit record and see what happens. We could be sitting in front of this microphone for a while. By the way. After our recent run of guests, uh, we've created a few playlists. We've got a playlist there for all our, our interviews and collaborations. We've got a playlist there on Spotify for our redrafts, for our choke specials. 
So go and check them out. And obviously, keep your eye on the feed because our special NBA draft episode will be coming up very soon as well, where we have the great thoughts of Bo Estes, Liam Santamaria, Casey Frank and Alex Loughton and the okay thoughts of ourselves. Cricket. Swing the willow. Let's yeah, go. let's swing the willow. It's a bit going Fun on. times. It's yeah, it's been on. great. Well, I mean, it's been that long. The bloody World Test Championship hadn't even wrapped up last time. Well, that's the thing. So, like, I watched a shitload of it. I watched, I reckon, about 80%. And I, and I love when the cricket's in England because I get to see more of it than when it's here because of the time difference. I saw a lot of the World Test Championship. Don't remember much. It was just before we went away. So I can't, I can't really, I remember Travis Head being man of the, the, well, it's not a series, is it? The one, the, yeah, the yeah. one match series. But yeah, the man of the match. Uh, and, you know, good on the Aussies was a good win. India are formidable opponents. I I, I guess the thing that, that the, the, the strongest memory for me was selection. Yep. Why didn't the Indians pick Ashwin? He kills us consistently. That was what I couldn't understand. Yeah. I mean, obviously, consistently. Yeah. look, it's a shame that Boomer didn't get to bowl because he's an incredible player. And as much as, you know, I, I fear every time he comes running in, he's great to watch. The control, the way he moves the ball, he's great. Ashman, I don't understand that. That made no sense to me. Uh, look, I know Jadeja has had his way with us a number of times as well. But I just, I don't understand why you wouldn't have Ashman in that side. He, as you say, he's done it with both bat and ball against us on so many occasions. He's a guy that can come in at seven and nurdle around a, a 50 or a 60. Oh, it, just so many times. To- but yeah, I, I, I look, I mean, obviously that is the biggest head scratcher when you're you're bringing in basically a, you know, a couple of guys who are maybe not quite up to the the standard in, in terms of like the, the fast bowlers. Well, there was logic there and Jadeja's a bloody good player too, but the, you've got to think about the fact that Ashman has just dominated Australia for such a long time. Yep. Surely that's got to factor in. It does. It does. The other thing that I found interesting, look, I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but I think this was an incredibly lucky toss to lose in the fact that we got sent into bat. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess the conventional wisdom Australia and England has for, what, 15 years now? A fair while has been really shitty against the swinging ball in England, against that Duke's ball. Mm. Yeah, so, if, if, And we've if, seen if, the Poms do the same thing in the Ashes. They sent us in as well. So yeah. I can kind of understand the logic. But this is if it's a pitch that swings ahead. Yeah, yeah. And well, if you've got guys that can swing like yeah, Anderson yeah. abroad. Yeah, yeah. You know, because... Yeah, or Simon Jones back in the day. Well, this because this is the thing, like, that it's a different ball. It's a different sort of setup to what you get in Australia and obviously in India. You don't really get those those sorts of pitches in India. So I just, I don't know. I thought it was, maybe they put all their eggs into a basket a little bit too early. I, I always prefer to bat. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that old adage, you know? And I thought, I mean, it looked good in the first session. Obviously, you know, India bowled really well. They bowled their tight lines three for 76. You start as an Aussie panicking a little bit. Oh, they were very disciplined. Yeah. But yep. Travis head was spectacular. He came in counter punched, which I don't think India was expecting. I thought they, Maybe thought we might be going back into our shells a little bit. He comes forward and, and starts going. At- well, he's one of those blokes that'll either make a five or a 65 quite often, yeah. isn't he? So he had a strike rate of somewhere in the, the 90s, I think it was about 94 or something for his 160 odd that he made. Yeah, so- he'd be perfect for baseball, actually. He probably would be, actually. He would, he would. 
But it, really, that whole test just comes down to that 285 run fourth wicket partnership between him and Smith. That doesn't happen. It maybe goes the other way. And look, I mean, full credit to India. They made it into a little bit more of a test than, I mean, it looked like it was going completely pear shaped for them. They were six down for about 150 odd. And Rahane and Takur put on 109 runs for the seventh wicket. Don't call me Tupac. Don't call him Tupac. That's yeah. for sure. Yep. And I guess just at the end of the day, the discipline of the Aussie bowlers, they just kept finding the edges. They kept creating those false shots. India lost wickets too quickly. And after day two, they were never really in the game. I think that's fair. Hmm. Now the Ashes, how much fun have they been? Well, very fun. Uh, I I didn't get to see anything live in the first test because we were away. And uh, very hard to... Well, funnily enough, in one of our hotels, they had bloody a sport channel. We chucked it on and it was the Dockers and GWS. Oh, right. And there was a lot of rugby, but I couldn't get the cricket. I know there was one English pub, but it's hard to get to and... You know, we're on holidays. Anyway, long story short, I followed it a lot on Crick Info. I followed it a lot on our chats. My, oh, my, that last day. I mean, on day five, no word of a lie, I was literally hitting refresh on Crick Info, I reckon, every 30 seconds for nearly three hours, about three hours. Wow. It was such an exciting nail-biting. And that was just text on a screen and seeing the chat. Like you went to bed a bit early, didn't you? You missed. I'm not and I don't that. blame you because once Kawaja got out, I thought we were done. Oh, what's Kerry? It was the Kerry one that yeah. I gave up. So Kerry put us eight down. Cummins, Lyon, still about what 60 odd runs to go. I just thought, you know what? It's 1 30 in the morning. Fair enough. I can't yeah. see a world where these guys get home. Yep. And I was I was lying down and I woke up again at about 4 30 and I picked up my phone and I was like, I've got a feeling they did it. And I First thing I do, I turn on the phone and there's messages from... Um, you would have seen our chat. Well, our mate over in Norway was the first one that right, was right. like all caps, like, you beauty, you can't believe we did all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Look, let's let's go back a little bit, though. Let's go back to the start. Do you think the decision to declare for half an hour left on day one, Joe Root's unbeaten on 118, Robinson was looking pretty comfortable at that stage. Is that a mistake? Oh, it's one of those ones that's really easy to look back on and and say was a poor decision. I get the logic of it. It can be nice to have a ping against a team late in the day when the light's fading. The light can get a bit iffy in England. You know, if you're bowling at least 135, 140, I know they're quick stop bowlers. Yeah, quick, so have, quick have, to, any, have any of them done that? Yeah, yet? I don't know. I, I, Joe Root, maybe. I, I, I don't know if, if maybe they were looking at the radar as well and they thought there was some weather around... I understand the logic. I do understand. But given it was day one, I probably would have batted through. That's my big yeah. thought. If it had been a little bit later, maybe sort of 15, 20 minutes before the end of the session, if it had been maybe 15 minutes before the end of the first or second session on day two, kind of understand that. But Oh, definitely on day two. But, you know, absolutely the way that the pitch was going, there wasn't really much, you know, it wasn't sort of moving around too much. Keep the Aussie fielders in the field keep the bowlers running back and forward to their mark all day I think they left 50 or 60 runs out there that they could very easily have used at the end of that match obviously yeah, yeah we changed the whole thing and you know it didn't offer much for their bowlers Jimmy Anderson and Stuart in fact Stuart Broad and Anderson I think both of them have sort of said look if it's going to be like that again I'm out like I can't I can't bowl on that it's crap um he's not yeah Anderson's getting I think it was something like so he usually gets about 0.7 of a degree of swing 
he's only getting about 0.5 at the moment, which right. doesn't sound like much, but you know, that can be the difference between an edge and the middle of the bat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And then obviously, Kawaja comes in, makes that sort of match saving 141. Travis Head, Alex Carey made 50s. Some really, really good stuff. And we go into the second innings. We see the drawbacks of Basball. Yes. They yep. kept pushing some hideous shots and they gave us a target. So, oh, and look, hats off to them that they like a result and they want a result. And I think that factored into the de- declaration as well, obviously. But uh, we have been the beneficiaries of some pretty undisciplined acts from the English. We have, I think, absolutely in in both the first and second test. But this is the thing: live by the sword, die by. Well, they have, they really have, you know? yeah. And, and look, full credit to Camo when he hit. I think didn't he hit about twenty off two overs when him and Gaz were in together. So fantastic. And and obviously on the uh quick info chat, there were lots of references to 2005 and yep. Edgbaston and the crazy ending that happened there. So it was nice to be on the good end of this one. Well, even you know, even the Headingly one from 2019. Yeah, right. that was a, a very well, you know, obviously it was Ben Stokes doing all the damage with the bat. Well, and there was, you know, there was fucking was it Steve Buckner or whoever it was, one of the umpires that didn't give Absolutely plum decision. Oh, so there was some weird stuff going yeah, on was. with the referrals. But we also wasted a oh, we did. few. Yeah, bloody like pain. About, yeah, 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 yeah. About a foot and a half down. Yeah, with like three overs left or something. But yeah, look, it's it is it's set up a, a very interesting series. Now, the one thing I did want to look at before we get to the injuries, there's well, actually there's two things really. So the the big difference in terms of what I've noticed, the speeds. Obviously, yes. you know, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. been doing a lot of a lot of the rounds, not so much on the socials, but certainly in the commentary team. Yeah. They were saying that something like 60% of test deliveries for fast bowlers are above 80 miles an hour. Count- Which is about 140-ish, isn't it? 35 Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. County cricket in England, it's about 9%. So firstly, their bowlers aren't generating the, the sort of heat they need to be. But and they're not training in those conditions. And their batters are not facing that yeah. sort of stuff. So yep. that, that's a really, really big issue for both their bowling stocks. And, and we've seen it. You know, the Aussie guys have a lot more time to play their shots because you've got Robinson, you've got Broad, and you've got Anderson crumbling in and bowling at 130, 132. Yep. Robinson was in the high 120s for most of the first test. And it, it's not the same as what they were getting last time they were here. When you had Joffrey Archer coming in bowling, Steaming in, yeah, bowling yep. at probably one forty-five, and Mark Wood, who's Mark very, Wood. very handy. Yep. So yep. that was one thing, and also the amount of time. So Australia's batted more than eighty overs in all of their innings so far. England hasn't batted to eighty yet. Right. So if you look at the combined totals up to basically the start of the second innings, Australia had batted for three hundred and nine point two overs. England 220.4. Yeah, right. That is basically a 90 over difference. Yeah. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yeah, That's yeah. Ridiculous. Well, and it goes back to what I was saying, the discipline. Well, I, I think so I've seen a shitload of this second test. And apart from when I'm watching the Swans dish up some of the most frustrating footy I've seen in a long time last night. Uh, but both our bowlers and batters have been really disciplined, patient, poised. And the English, I mean, God, they just had a brain explosion where they lost about four wickets in an hour or something because they couldn't play short pitch bowling. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah, the shot that Harry Brook hit, you know, backing away and slap, oh, slapping one to Cummins, basically. Some horrible stuff. Horrible. And as we 
are speaking right now, the Aussies are 84.1 overs into their second innings. So again, they're basically, look, the run rate's not quick. I mean, the run rate at the moment is about 2.8, but we're scoring more runs than them. And that's, that's how you win a game. Oh, what's, what's really impressed me about this test is that they've had the better batting conditions. Uh, we've been playing under cloud for my, today, I think is the first time we've seen a lot of sun and we're ahead in the game, yep. you know? So I think that's a testament to, to well, particularly guys like Uzi, who's, who's played very well. Head had a very handy innings. Smitty is just amazing, obviously as well. So yeah, what, what I guess the question is, Chewy, what's the magic number? What do we need? And without Gary Lyon, well, we haven't talked about the injuries much, have we? Look, I like 400 as a number. I think 400 psychologically is a, it's a big number. It is a big number. Without Nath Lyon bowling 30 overs, though, I mean, yikes. I Look, Travis Head was very good in the first innings. Picked up a couple of wickets towards the end. He did. I, I don't know. I mean, ideally, at this stage, you would love a number around 450. The problem we've got at the moment, though, is because the run rate is as slow as it is, we're getting towards, I guess, the end of the second session. There's probably four sessions left and the lead's 329. You yeah. kind of need a, you probably want to give yourself maybe half an hour, maybe 40 minutes at him tonight. Oh, definitely. This pitch looks pretty good still. Mm. It looked it looked like Adelaide Oval at one point in the sun. Yeah. I mean, without Nathan Lyon, oh, we've got to have a ping at him tonight. That's I mean, obviously it's all moot. By the time we upload this, the match will be over probably. But... <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, it could be a draw. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. So we do have injuries. Nathan Lyon looks like he's probably probably done, done for the series. Done for the series. Yeah, the, Todd Murphy might get a nice, uh, a nice little, which is good. So yeah, yeah, good for him. Yeah, sort of and style. he's made the most of his opportunity so far. So and then Ollie Pope's looking in doubt. He's got a shoulder complaint for England. He's certainly out for the rest of the test. I don't know whether he'll be back. Maybe for next week. Depends. Depends what. The well, there's is. a short turnaround. The third test not too far away. Yeah, so depends what the uh, what the damage is. But yeah, uh, I mean, how big is the Lyon injury? Seems like an oh, obvious, it's huge. Seems I mean, obvious, but yeah. Well, the guys aren't joking when they say he's the cornerstone of our attack. He really is. He's not a paceman, but he's just so reliable. He bowls in good areas all the time. He's that nagging length and line and length. He's he's just a great great player. They call him the goat for a reason. He's a massive loss to this team. Mm. Massive loss, and we're glad we've backed to win. Quite frankly, because if we didn't have him the entire series. It could be very different. True. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get this one and we're up 2-0. I think it's huge. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think that's made it a series. Yep. Yep. I think that's fair. So, yeah. So, yes, hopefully by the time we upload this, we'll be 2-0 up. Hopefully. <laughs> and Gary Lyons had a miraculous uh, recovery and he is back for the fourth test. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> It's great though, it, isn't it, it great? It, it is. Oh, so it much is. cricket, I, was, I love it. I was going to make a reference. What, what's what's a baby goat called again? A kid. Ah, damn it! If only it was a calf. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. While we're on the cricket, Stewie, just quickly before we get to the footy, how fucking crazy! Like, I was talking to a bloke at the quiz on Monday, and he seemed almost to be reveling in the fact that the Windies wouldn't be making the Cricket World Cup. Mm. And look, he 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 would have had a good 10, 15 years on me. So he would have remembered the days of Michael Holding and Malcolm Marshall and Joel Garner and Viv Richards and all these blokes causing nightmares. So he probably was quite enjoying. But it's not good for world cricket when the Wendy's miss out. I really worry. So how is their match against the Netherlands? 
They scored 374. The Netherlands then also scored 374. And they backed it up with 30 runs in the super over to the Windies only managing eight in return. That's pretty bad, isn't it? So, I mean, that's that's one of the matches that could lead to their downfall. I, I they're, they're not going to make it. They're 0-3. Holy shit. Yep. They're 0-3. So two more games to go. Most points they can get to is four. They've got a hideous net run rate at the moment. So it's a six. So the Super Six, basically, Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe, Scotland, Netherlands, West Indies, Oman. And yeah, at the moment, it's certainly, I mean, Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe both undefeated. Both have a very, very healthy net run rate. Sri Lanka's is way up there. Uh, Scotland are looking okay. They're two and one. They absolutely smashed the West Indies today. It's very much looking like the Windies are going to miss out. Oh, they, uh, they, their tickets, not good. They're like people waiting in fake Taylor Swift queues. Yeah, well, they're not going to go to the big show. But here's the thing: like, even if you go back to the group stages, you know, they only just really snuck in. I mean, they they finished two and two from their four games in the pool. Yeah, against the might of Nepal and USA. Yeah, so you know they, they really weren't doing amazing things anyway. So yeah, I, I guess it's no surprise. But it is. It's very, very sad to see the decline of what was certainly for us growing up as well. I mean, the Windies were the nation that certainly won that we feared. Yeah, they started to be a little bit like. Obviously, they still had Brian Lara and Jimmy Adams. They still had some very good like Ambrose, Ambrose and Walsh. and Walsh, but they were towards the end. Like they were, they were becoming a bit more human when we were kids growing up. Um, they were still very good, obviously, yeah. but yeah, they weren't kind of quite the 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 team. Yeah, so yeah, you're bringing it's, up some yeah, old stuff. See, yeah, this is the thing. Like, yeah. I, I remember the '93 test where he took seven for one in Perth. Yeah, well, Curly Ambrose is one of my favorite players of all time. I fucking love him. I, I also remember a game at the Wacker where he bowled like a eleven ball over or something as well. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but um, but like, yeah. Just quickly, you know, because obviously I, I want to prove a point here. <laughs> if you look at that, I mean, seven for twenty-five off eighteen overs in the first dig. Okay, not as good in the second innings. Only had uh, two for 54. But they still had Ian Bishop. You know, he took six for... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, look, don't get me wrong. They were still very good. 93, I guess I was thinking more 95, 96, you know, as as, as time wore on a little bit further past that. Still the days of Desmond Haynes. They still had Phil Simmons. Oh, Phil Simmons lasted a while. Junior Murray. Yeah, behind the stumps. Junior Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah good side so yeah I, I still look back at that side and i just think to myself like seeing them now floundering and you know, getting beaten by the might of scotland oh it's sad it's it's incredibly sad it is by the way speaking of the windy stewie cricket tendulkar tweeted and look i haven't verified this but Cricket Tendulkar tweeted, Sachin Tendulkar dismissed Brian Lara four times in ODIs, which is more than Kumble, Warren, McGrath, Morley, and Alan Donald. Yeah, right. How's that for the old part-timers, you know, yeah. doing the little... Yeah, the, the... Say it, say it. What? Coming and bowling their little... Trundling. Dibbly doublers, Oh, that's I didn't know what you were going to Bloody dibbly doublers. Uh, dibbly doublers. Yeah, and on that note, Cameron Green is out. Oh. Six for 240. Lead is 331. Ah, it's Could be enough already. I was very unimpressed with his dismissal in the first innings. So, yeah. So, Shui, here we are a couple of days later. And, well, I must say, I'm very, I'm very disappointed. I'm angry. 
I'm upset that the spirit of the game can be besmirched in such a cruel and horrible way as Johnny Bairstow attempting to run out Marnus Labuschagne on day three. What do you Disgusting, reckon? honestly. I don't know where the game goes to from here. Might as well just pack it all up, I think. Yeah. Anyway, in all seriousness, believe- though. I- I- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I can't believe that we're getting to this before we get into the real story of the cricketing world right now, which is Scotland beating Zimbabwe to all but sure up their ticket, basically, to the ICC World Cup. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, it's some really interesting stuff going on there. And I heard, I was listening to Corbin Middlemass and Ed Cowan today on their latest cricket podcast. I forget what it's called, the ABC one. It's a bloody good listen. Uh, And they were saying it's nearly time for the West Indies to compete as individual nations. Yeah. Take all the politics out of it, I guess. Well, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because you remember way back in the day when T20 was... I remember the Trinidad and Tobago team just on their own could have just about won it all. So mm. it's an interesting thought. But it might dilute it things even is. further and make things worse too. So it could go either way. But but yeah, hats off to Scotland. Sensational. Yep. So it's looking like Scotland and Sri Lanka will be the last two teams into the World Cup. But no, obviously, as exciting as that is for me as a Scottish heritage sort of guy... It is all about the Ashes right now. An incredible game right down to the wire. I slept through most of the last day, unfortunately. We uh, had a fairly decent size, uh, call it a shindig, I guess, for one of our good mates who's turning 40. And when I day drink, I tend to come home and sleep. Oh, it happens, mate. Yep. No, the day drinking does always lead to the nap. But uh, yeah, that's also partly why we've taken longer to release the episode because I haven't been super diligent with my editing. But in the end, it's going to be two episodes anyway. And boy, it's jam-packed full of stuff in both. And you've already heard lots. So already at this stage, when we kind of stop recording, and I don't, stupidly, I don't know why we thought we'd, <laughs> we could release prior to the end of the test. But uh, Cam Green had just got out. And then you and I, I reckon, well, we might, we just about watched together till Stumps, didn't we? They extended Stumps time, so you didn't uh, stay till 2 a.m., but I think you stayed till about 1.30. So I reckon you and I watched about probably three hours together of day four. Yeah. I mean, I tried to stay as late as I could, but I knew that I had to get up a little bit early the next day. And as much as I would love to have been able to stay right through till Stumps and see every last ball, it just, just that extra half hour made a difference. Yeah, well, as you said, we had our mates 40th the next day, so so we had a big one the following day. But, wow, there was a lot going on, wasn't there? So, obviously, there was the Starkey catch that wasn't. I guess, well, maybe we'll start there. What do you reckon about that one? Oh, it's not. It's definitely not out. There's no two ways about it. As much as he's controlled the ball by the letter of the law, it's not out. He put the ball straight down onto the ground. There's nothing between the ball and the grass. So, I have no problem saying that's not out. It sucks. It's a horrible rule because, quite frankly, he had control of the ball, what, maybe four feet off the ground, controlled it all the way through. But as the ruling is, basically, that is not out. And you see so often blokes will take a catch and immediately throw it in the air or almost in one motion. And there's been a few of those over the years where I thought, geez, they're lucky. But no, I agree. I was okay with it not being out. I thought it was just a bit of a brain fade to kind of use the ball to... I guess, settle his landing, for lack of a better phrase. But I think that brain fade is the right phrase because when we talk about the Bairstow dismissal on the flip side, that was a brain fade too. But before we get there, how was the Lion knock? So that's what we watched together. Nathan Lyon basically walking out onto the field with a Zimmer frame. No, 
You yeah. cannot call that walking. Yeah. Hobbling at best. Yeah, that's right. So we were astonished that he went out there. But in the end, it proved to be 15 very handy runs in that partnership. And obviously, had he been able to run, it would have been higher than that. It could have been 30 or 40 because there are a lot of ones that would have easily been several singles, twos, maybe even the odd three, but they couldn't run them because he couldn't run. Uh, I think at one point, I think we remarked, it would have been, yeah, I reckon anywhere from 30 to 40 easily. But as we said at the time, those 15 runs proved to be invaluable. And, you know, we, we thought... England would come out and give it everything they could in that second innings, and we were right. They did. Yeah, they sure did. They sure did. (laughs) Where do we go? I mean, well, for starters, the KP comments about Nathan Lyon potentially coming in to get hit in the head was pretty fucked up. And I even said to you when we were watching, I'm like, his mate Phil Hughes died that way. Like, that's not very... And then sure enough, he came out and said in the media the same thing the next day. So yeah, that's... was he? He was on the field, wasn't he? Was Lino on the field? Oh wow, I'm not. I'm not sure. He played for both New South Wales and South Australia. So yeah, I'm, it's a good point. He may have been. He may well have been playing in that match. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, that's mm. a fair point. Either but way, even but if he yeah. wasn't, they were mates, you know, and they'd played together and yeah. and in in different teams and and all sorts. So that was pretty poor form from KP. I think he did wind those back a little bit, but uh, and I don't think that's why he went out there. And I think they were. 15 very valuable runs. Now, obviously, in the end, Australia won by 43, but it's that psychological barrier, isn't it? So, obviously, we had just finished recording the first part of whatever whatever you want to call this, this huge recording that we've done, and we were able to sit down and kind of catch a good start of it. Zach Crawley copped an absolute beauty. Ollie Pope copped an even better one from Stark, that beautiful in-swing Yorker that we see from him. We kind of wondered when Ollie Pope walked out there that maybe he felt he had to because Lyon had. <laughs> but he didn't last long at all, three off ten with that uh, beautiful Stark in-swinger, as you say. Yeah, well, and it's interesting you bring that up because it's actually just come out that he won't play again in the Ashes because of that shoulder injury. So, yeah, you're, you're right. He probably did feel a little bit of pressure to come out and do his part. But, look, there's a lot of batters out there that would have been clean bowled by that one from Starkey. That in-swinging Yorker is very, very difficult when it starts you know, it looks like it's going to go basically four stumps outside of off stump and then it swings back and hits middle. So that was a beauty. And then, yeah, two crackers from Cummins to get rid of Root, that really nice bouncing ball that rose up and took the edge, flew straight through to Warner and a cracker to Harry Brook. He'd just been hit for four straight back past him and he manages to get one to basically come back off the seam and, yeah, take the off stump. And that's when it starts to get real interesting, doesn't it, Stewie? So I think we've got to go there, don't we? Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to talk about the Johnny Bairstow dismissal. 10 off 22, stumped by Kerry, bowled by Green. Happened to be Cam Green's only wicket of the innings. He was the second most expensive bowler, but really kind of the most expensive because Trav had only bowled four overs. Apparently it's against the spirit of the game, Shui. Well, yeah. I mean, before that as well, I do want to give a massive shout out to Ben Duckett. He had two incredible innings, 83 in the second dig, following on from a 98 in the first. I mean, it was pretty poor bowling to him. Uh, I've kept saying to you, every time they bowled anywhere between sort of his waist and his shoulder, he was just pulling it around the corner. He's a left-hander. It's what lefties do. Anytime they got it a little bit above the shoulder, he looked a bit uncomfortable, and that's ultimately what led to his downfall. But yes, the stumping. Well, all right, I'll ask you, what do you make of it? Oh, I think it's perfectly fair and reasonable. And I think that the Poms would have done the exact same thing had the shoe been on the other foot. And not only that, we have quite a few examples to suggest that they would have, don't we? 
Oh, there's quite a few. There certainly does seem to be a fair level of hypocrisy about the, I guess, the response or the reaction from most of the English camp. And look, there's no surprise. The crowd absolutely got stuck into us. That's what they've been doing the whole Ashes so far. Uh, the the same old Aussies always cheating chant has been done to death. Uh, but, you know, England seem to only have about five or six chants that they do and they you know just what? keep running through them. Do you know what I don't get about that, Shui? That chant would come out after every single six that Ben Stokes hit. And I don't know if we're living rent-free in their minds or they're living rent-free in ours or perhaps both, but I find that really odd. Like, when a bloke from your team hits a six, oh, yeah, okay, so we're cheating to get you that six. Like, what a weird Mm -hmm. time to bring out that chant. And they brought it out every time. And by the way, I think it was a record for most sixes in an Ashes innings. I think he had 11. It was nine. Nine, was it? Okay, there you go, yeah. Yeah. And he was magnificent, and we will we will talk about him and praise him as he should be praised. But there's a let's, massive let's, level of hypocrisy here, isn't there? Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to the stumping for a second because I I feel like we did kind of brush over it a little bit. And look, it's absolutely no secret that we are not I don't want to say fans of, but we're certainly for the man cad. And in this case, I feel like it's a fairly similar sort of idea where the ball is literally just landed in Kerry's gloves and he's thrown it at the same time because he's kind of seen during the over that Bearstow was wandering out of his crease. It's well, exactly the same if he was up to the stumps and Bearstow wanders out of his crease. Well, what's he going to do? He's, of course, he's going to whip the bales off. So I don't see why it makes a difference that it's a fast bowler. Exactly. And not only that, he was actually still in his crease when Kerry threw the ball. And it's not his decision when to leave the crease and start gardening or talking to his partner or calling over the umpire calls over and obviously the umpire can't call over when the ball's midair between Kerry's glove heading towards the stumps so of course it was still live so I, I just like I don't know and I mean there is this thing of you can withdraw an appeal I don't know I, I, I have no problem with it at all and as I say I have no problem with the start catch not being called out and I have no problem with that one being out because I think it was I think so. Uh, this is the thing. If you want to play letter of the law on the start catch, which I've got no problems doing, then you've got to be prepared to play letter of the law with everything else that goes on. And this is one of those things that is well and truly within the letter of the law. Uh, the, as you said, over hadn't been called. So if you're going to wander out of your crease, well, you're fair game. And as Greg Baum said on Twitter, if Bairstow had been in his crease and Kerry's throw had hit the stumps, and then ricocheted into an open space. Would the English pair have taken an overthrow? I suspect they would. And of course, we all know what happened in the 2019 Cricket World Cup when there was that ricochet off Ben Stokes's bat that went to the boundary. Yep. Yeah, didn't withdraw that, did they? No, not at all. Not well, that you could. I mean, I mean, obviously you can't, but... Well, I don't know, actually. What <laughs> I don't know. He Probably not. The scorekeepers probably add the score and that's it. But I don't know what they do in that situation. But before, and you've got several instances documented of hypocrisy, but before we get there, a couple of other comments. So Ravi Ashwin, we must applaud the game smarts of the individual rather than skewing it towards unfair play or spirit of the game. Laxman Sivaramakrishnan, as an opposition team, you try to identify the mistake of the batter to get him out. In this case, it was not a technical mistake, but a common sense mistake, which the opposition used to their advantage. Simple. Shrikath was out in that fashion on his debut against England, and he goes on. So... It, they've done it too. I don't know why. Why is it because it's the ashes that we have to not do these things? Is that is that the difference? Well, I'll get in. 
I've got an idea, and I think a few people have kind of said the same thing. We'll get into that a little bit later once we've sort of talked over a few of these examples. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other ways as well that you can look at it. The the whole straight drive down the pitch, the guy at the non-striker's end is sort of backing up a little bit and gets run out. You're not going to withdraw that, are you? Because it's a, a legitimate way of getting a wicket. But it's basically the same thing. The guy is out of his crease where he shouldn't be, and he gets run out. Yep, so, true. Uh, yeah, it's... I definitely don't have a problem with this. And I know everyone's going to be like, well, certainly everyone who's not an Australian will be like, oh, typical Aussie, you know, of course you're all for it. But it does. It goes both ways. Well, it's funny you say that. So I actually have a quote here from an Englishman and it's quite lengthy. And well, it's 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 a bit confronting, but I guess it also ties in with what happened in the long room when I think it was the tea break when a number of people, and I know you've got the names of the gentlemen who were suspended. So this is what Tom Crowley said. And let's not forget this country that's speaking about the spirit of the game. We're just days removed from an ICEC report that said the game in England is rife with racism, sexism, and discrimination. So talking about spirit of the game. So this is what Tom Crowley had to say. Bit of a lengthy quote, as I say, but I think it's worth it. This is the perfect demonstration of what the spirit of cricket has always really meant. It means whatever benefits England, whatever we, the dapper gentlemen in our red and yellow ties, decide it is. But now the dapper gentlemen have lost their empire. No longer do they reign over us. India dictates terms in world cricket. The last president of the MCC was Sri Lankan. Australia's woke soft boy captain has run rings around a team of English schoolboys led by two Kiwis who have bullied them into masquerading behind a swagger nobody believes. Now if you take their spirit of cricket away, the dapper gentlemen don't just tut-tut. The ties have been loosened, the top button undone, the veneer long gone. They scream, they boo, they foam at the mouth. Their loudest cries are reserved for Usman Khawaja. We know why, because that is the spirit of cricket. Now that's pretty confronting. And I must admit, when I saw the footage, and Channel 9 didn't show as much of the footage initially as Sky Sports did. And I saw a lot of that footage on Twitter in the break. But I must admit, when I saw Usman talking to people in that room, I thought, oh shit. There's some, you know, people have said some racist shit. Now, luckily, it doesn't seem that that's the case. Apparently, people had tripped people up and there was all the cheating stuff and all that sort of thing. So thank God it wasn't race related, but still a pretty terrible look. And a lot of people saying that it's one of the weirdest days in the history of Lords. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you never like to see that sort of stuff. You never like to see any sort of fan interaction going over the top. But I said this to my boss yesterday. We were having a quick chat about it. And I'd sort of said, like, if you piss off Usman Khawaja, you've kind of got to take a look at yourself and realize maybe you've overstepped. Like, one of the nicest guys in world cricket, fair enough if it happens with David Warner, because you know that he's got a you know, a little bit of a short temper with that sort of stuff, and he can very easily be suckered in. But yeah, if you're doing it to Uzi, you've probably gone too far. I think that's fair. And also, he, he's got every right to bite back if people do overstep the line. He's not just expected to just take it. So, yeah, thankfully that, that wasn't worse, but that could have been very ugly, that that could have. We do have to mention the names. It, it is a little bit of levity to add to a, a pretty horrible situation. <laughs> very British. So there have been three MCC members who have had their memberships suspended, and, yes, three very British names. So Bartholomew Frinton Smythe, Humphrey Wigbert Porter, and Quinton Breckenridge. Yeah. <sighs> Ah, yes, the appropriate, uh, appropriately spoken there, Stewie. Well done. That's very good. Yes. 
Yeah, but apparently it was way worse than just three. So they're probably the uh, very, very unlucky ones because, well, there were a lot. There was a lot going on for those that saw the footage. Now, off the back end of this, obviously, there's been a lot of chatter. We saw Stuart Broad go out there and try and be the, the I don't even want to say the voice of reason, but going out there telling Alex Carey that that's the one thing he's going to be remembered for, which it's kind of hard to do when you're the guy who basically smashed one to slip and didn't walk, even after you admitted it to Brad Haddon. Yeah, so again, you and I differ on walking. I think you've got to make the umpires make the call. I, I I think that was on the umpire. It was the most ridiculous non-call ever in the history of cricket, just about. But with that being said, what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. So even if you agree with walking, you can say that that wasn't in the spirit of the game. So he can't have it. There's a lot of poms having a bob both ways on this one. And no, the, the, the two and a half hours or however long, it probably wasn't that long, however long he was in, he, he had a decent knock with Ben Stokes. And, and there was a lot of tight buttholes there. The Winviz predictor even shifted its way across to England at one point, which seemed almost impossible at the start of day's play. I actually remember it sitting... 51-49 England at one stage. It might have even got higher than that. I can't remember. But the ridiculous kind of in and the, the grounding and all, you know, that was, it, it got a bit old after a while. I actually wonder if he got in his own head with that shit. Yeah, it's possible. For the record, he was in for 125 minutes. So very, very good at uh, holding up one end while Stokes was going ballistic. Finally showing us an actual bit of basball, funnily enough. Yeah, well, and I mean, as you said before, there were some pretty poor tactics on the Aussies' part, kind of playing into their hands a little bit, bowling, allowing them to target that short boundary down the slope. But thankfully, the the uh, screws were tightened a little bit. But see, that's where Nathan Lyon would have come in really handy. And that's why I thought, oh, I wondered if even 400 would be enough. Now, it did turn out to be enough in the end. But I thought the absence of, of Nathan Lyon might have meant that we needed another 50-plus runs. Do you want to know something really funny, though, about that, Nath? Do you remember when we were watching and Ricky Ponting actually said at one point, I think the lead was about 330, and Ricky Ponting said, I'm pretty sure they've actually got enough already. Yeah, and he we was surprised. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. right. Yeah, I think it was all... <laughs> So he actually was right by about three or four runs. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. And again, if Nathan Lyon doesn't come out to bat, who knows? But... Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's Ricky Ponting, one of the great minds, a greater cricket mind than ours by a very, very long way indeed. But yeah, the, what's what's even funnier is the hypocrisy, isn't it? The the glass house stuff. I mean, you've, as I kind of alluded to before, you've got a few different instances there. Now, the obvious one is the Kumar Sangakara Mutamura Litheran one, but you've got a you've got a list there, don't you? Yeah, well, there's three involving Brendan McCullum. So 2005, second test at Bulawayo. He's actually, he's run out Chris and Pofu while he was celebrating. I believe it's pronounced Blessing Mahure. I don't know. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced anyway. He made his one and only 50 in test cricket. And Mpofu has left his crease to go and celebrate what is an amazing achievement. And McCullum has run him out. And that ended the match. Guessing the Zimbabweans didn't want to have a beer with him after. No, I mean, look, it didn't really impact the result because I think both of those tests, Zimbabwe lost by an innings and quite a few runs. But again, Guy is leaving the crease to go and celebrate a milestone and he runs him out. And by the way, while we're talking about the spirit of the game stuff, 05 was, of course, the Ashes where they had that professional fielder come in. 
I don't know if that was strictly within the spirit of the game either. Now, I don't actually have a major problem with that. But again, what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. And you can't just pick and choose what is and isn't within the spirit of the game as it suits you. Yeah. Now, the other one that you were talking about, 2006, the first test at Christchurch, so Sri Lanka touring in New Zealand, merely leaves his crease to congratulate Kumar Sangakkara for reaching his century. That basically finished Sri Lanka's innings. So the balls come back through as Murali has left his crease. McCullum whips the bails off. New Zealand did go on and win the test by five runs. Ironically, McCullum hit the winning runs off Murali as well. It took him 10 years to apologize. And after the game, though, he says, I never thought it was the wrong thing to do. The rules are there and you can't reward stupidity. How can he make these... So I forgot about the exact details there. How can he possibly then have made the comments that he made afterwards with a straight face? Well, this is it. and then, But there's another one as well, the 2009 Champions Trophy. So they're playing against England. McCollum did the exact same thing to Paul Collingwood. Now, Daniel Vittori actually made the decision to withdraw the appeal on that instance, but McCollum was very, very happy to go ahead with that one. So again, you're happy to do it, but you're not happy for someone to do it to you. So that's the English coach. And then the English players, there was a Colin de Grandholm one who, funnily enough, who was making the appeal, Stuart Broad. That was a wicket in similar situation. And then I also saw some Ben Folks footage where he was waiting with kind of bated breath, ball in glove, for the batter to lift their foot momentarily, then whip the bails off, and that was out too. Yeah, that was Andrew Balburnie. There was a a one-off ODI, England and Ireland. And exactly, the English were very, very happy to wait three, four seconds for this guy to adjust his feet. And then all of a sudden, Balburnie's bails are gone and he's out. And at the time, it was referred to as cheeky but clever. Mm. Cheeky but clever by the Poms against the spirit of the game by the Aussies. And the thing is, Johnny Bairstow tried the exact same thing with Manus Labuschagne in the same match. He did the exact same thing. Now, admittedly, it wasn't at the end of the over, but there was one time, yeah, Labuschagne was maybe six inches out of his crease but he turned around and put his bat back in and the ball missed the stumps as well. But he tried to do the exact same thing. So it's like, how can you do all of that stuff, but then get all pissy when a wicket happens? And it brings me to what I think this is all about. And this is the fact that there was all this talk going into the series. The Aussies aren't ready for Bazball. Bazball's beaten every other team that they've played it against. And it's not working. It's not working quite the way they thought. Now, there, there have been some instances, as we said, Ben Stokes was amazing, one of the greatest innings you'll probably see. But outside of him, and to a lesser extent, Duckett as well, no one else is really making huge runs on any sort of consistent level. And I think this is just a ploy for them to deflect and go, well, we don't want the papers and the media to all be talking about how the Aussies are actually just flat out playing us. And if you want to take it a step further, in that second test, they had all the the right sort of conditions. They they bowled when it was difficult to bat. They batted when it was difficult to bowl. Nathan Lyon bowled, I think, 13 overs for the entire match, and they still couldn't beat us. I think you're absolutely spot on there. So a couple of things. First things first, hats off to Ben Stokes. It was an incredible knock once again. It had us all thinking about Headingley in 2019. Thankfully, as far as the Aussie fans are concerned, it didn't get there. But it was actually the highest fourth inning score by someone batting at number six or lower, previously beating Gillies 149 not out against Pakistan in November 1999. And I remember that one very well because I watched that live because I was studying for my year 11 exams at the time. So I watched a lot of that summer of cricket 
And that was a just a fantastic innings, that one. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Well, I was going to say, did I hear you doing air quotes around the word studying then? <laughs> well, yes, I was studying the cricket. That's what I was studying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, honestly, I don't remember it as well. I'm going to blame the concussion for that, basically. But uh, yeah, I, I don't actually have the greatest memory of that one. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of very, very good knocks from Gilly that I do remember. In fact, another very, very famous 149, obviously, in that World Cup in 2007. Uh, yes. The the century that he had in a session at the Wacker while Matt Hayden was making his 380. He's had some very, very special innings. There was the 100 off 57 balls that he had. So Gilly's had some great knocks. I do not remember that one, though. Yeah, a really, really good partnership with Justin Langer, who also had a ton as well. And look... These things are more memorable when you watch them. I happened to not have an exam scheduled that day, so I was lucky enough to watch it. But going back to your comments about baseball and kind of deflecting from from the truth, I think you're spot on there. And I have a couple of stats that basically sum that up and and I was going to use to, to illustrate my thoughts. So Swampy said, test sides to lose the first two tests of a series when choosing to send the opposition in one match and declaring after electing to bat in the other. England 2023 Ashes. That's it. That's it. That's the list. Yep. Rick Finlay, after two tests, Australia have faced 654 more balls to score 45 more runs than England, losing the same amount of wickets. Now, what those two stats say to me is basically what you said. The Poms are trying to make excuses when in reality they've lost two really winnable games and if they'd played properly and were a bit more strategic and used their brains a bit better, they could be very easily two up themselves. So they have no one to blame but themselves. So they can deflect with all this spirit of the game bullshit. But quite frankly, they're scrambling because they know they're fucked up. Yep, that's it. And by the way, on the cheating stuff, we know about Athers. We know about the lollies. Monte Panesar used his zip. He used uh, mints. He used... There's, there's been numerous occasions of the Poms ball tampering too. But the, the one I love, this is like, with again, the hypocrisy and the lack of sense of irony. So Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of England, is apparently a mad cricket fan. And he said he wouldn't want to win a game in the manner Australia did. And it was against the spirit of the game. Fair dinkum. The bloke breaking his own government's laws to drink spirits, funnily enough, at a privileged piss-up while the general populace couldn't visit their dying loved ones or go to funerals because of COVID, in contravention of their own government's laws having parties, is talking about the spirit of the game? Give me a break. Fair dinkum. He'd he'd be better off spending his time contacting the Chancellor of Exchequer to do some costings on building a big giant glass house around the entire country of the UK, I reckon. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. That's that is good. I like that. Yeah, there's um there's there's a lot of stuff that I mean that you could go back on. There was Rory Burns and Mark Wood basically stopping the ball with their spikes. There was Broad and Anderson, I believe, did something fairly similar as well. You've already mentioned the sweets and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it just yeah, if it's England, it's just harmless dirt in the pocket because there was another one where they were rubbing dirt on the ball. I think that was Athers as well. Uh, but I love how they use the word dirt rather than sand. Like, dirt is sand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they've cut out it's the middleman. Just... Like, sandpaper, it's fucking terrible. It's a blight on the game. It's a blight on the history of Australian sport. I hate it. But basically, sand rather than sandpaper, they just cut out the middleman. Let's face it. Yeah, 
and the Aussies paid the price for it the same way that pretty much no one else has. It's all true. You're absolutely right. Now, there's going to be some changes for sure. We know that Nathan Lyon won't be playing. We know that Ollie Pope won't be playing. I dare say Mark Wood has to come in. They need more pace. They're just not bowling quick enough. I'm going to make a suggestion. I actually think they should consider bringing him in for Jimmy Anderson. Yeah, Anderson I agree. Not, he's not He's not taking wickets. He, he had one apiece in the first and the second dig in this one. I think it was probably fairly similar in the first match. But he's not getting the swing. He's not getting the same sort of level of control as he had. Now, he's not leaking runs. I mean, he's only going at sort of two and a half. We went for three, nearly three and a half in the second dig. But I just, I don't think they're getting the same sort of level from him. I think Josh Tong looked really good. I think Ollie Robinson, as much as he sort of trundles in and bowls at 120, he's taking wickets. So it's kind of hard to to push out a guy who is consistently picking up two, three wickets pretty much every innings. So... And he and he's a guy who will bowl all day. So I don't think yeah, you but really do you, need to push. Do you, I think you maybe push out both of them, one of them for Wood and one of them for a spinner. Oh, look, if you want to bring in a spinner, yeah, Robinson probably has to go. As I say, I liked what Tong did. I thought he was, oh, he was definitely. looking really good. And definitely. let's be honest, Ollie Robinson was talking about how he's this amazing batter. He made nine in the first innings and then he was out for one in the second. So he's not really done a particularly great job with the bat so yeah you could make a case there i think if you're just going to bring in wood you probably do it for anderson i think that probably makes the most sense at the moment given how the series has gone and you know maybe ben stokes bowls a little bit more and probably todd murphy comes in for the aussies yeah oh murphy absolutely comes in for line there's no two ways the rest of the team probably has to stay as is i think so i think you see even though there's a short turnaround to thursday because of Basball, we didn't need to spend really long spells bowling at them. I gave that Rick Finlay stat, or was it the Swampy stat? Whichever stat it was. So, yeah, I think I think they'll be fresh enough. I think we can stick with those three quicks plus Greeny. Yeah, and I mean, I think Green was the only one really in the top seven who didn't put on a decent score with the bat, really. Um, or carry out a couple of 20s. But, you know, if you look at across, like Warner was good in the first innings. Labashane nearly had a 50. Smith had the, had the ton. Travis Head made 77. In the second dig, you had Kawaja make a 77, a couple of 30s. So everyone's kind of doing something. It's just, yeah, I think spinner for spinner. Keep it simple. Very cool. So, nice. I am going to be brutally honest. I have pretty much all but stopped watching the AFL right now. Yeah. It's incredible. As an Eagles fan, I don't it's blame you. incredibly frustrating. It is partly a protest because how shit my team is. Um, probably one of the worst teams in the history of the league, quite frankly. Well, they're comparatively lining up with that horrible Fitzroy team of the early to mid-90s, mm. just before they folded. So, yeah, I... I just I haven't been excited about AFL in a while, and I feel like I'm probably not going to start watching it until a little bit closer to the finals. I, I did want to just quickly tee off on... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say I'm in a similar boat, to be honest. I... Oh, did you also just lose to Sydney by 171 <laughs> <fucking> points? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, no, so this is the thing, and my girlfriend's sick of it. Your fiance. My fiance is sick of it. I've been saying all season that the shitty, like no one can kick a goal anymore. The low scoring games, it just doesn't seem as fun as it did no. in the nineties. No. And yes. Okay. First game back from our trip. And it was nice to basically have a couple of weeks off. Although I did see a little bit of that free GWS bloodbath. 
it was nice to see a 205 to 34 victory against the Eagles. Yes, I'm sorry. I am saying no, it. No, had to be said. Which was a scorigami, by the way. No. And there's been a few scorigamis. Really? Brisbane. No. Brisbane. Hang on, hang on. Are you telling me no team has ever lost 205 <laughs> to 31? <laughs> Brisbane, Brisbane won 34 to Richmond. 53 was a scorigami, too. It's a bit more. Scary. I know. I know we're like a scorigami. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. You're right. <laughs> Um, but but here's the other thing, and you brought this up to me today. The bloody Eagles waffle team, four goals, seven thirty-one, lost to East Fremantle, thirty-three goals, seventeen, two hundred and fifteen. It's true. So and I only had a goal to half time. So that's another fifty scoring shot effort. Where you know the Swans had thirty-one goals, nineteen. So it's it's a big issue, and I guess the big thing for me right now, yes, okay, there are still a lot of guys out to these long-term injuries. I understand that. We've been playing the injury card most of the season. Yeah, but you had a lot of veteran guys come back for that Swans game. But that's the problem. It's the effort. Is that Luke Shuey and Tim Kelly were the only guys putting in any effort in that game. You had senior guys like Andrew Gaff and Dom Sheed. It's just, yeah, a lot of these other guys. And and look, Gaff and Sheed have been guilty of this for years now, in my opinion. Yeah, you've been been, uh, singing the whatever the opposite of praises is for a while. Unpraised. Yes. Yes. But unless they've got the ball in their hand, they don't run. They don't tackle. They don't put in the effort. And as I said, to give up 77 inside 50s and 50 scoring shots to a team that was sitting 15th on the ladder, it's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. It was it was mind-blowing. Also to think that the biggest bag was five. Yep. So the, the goals were really spread out quite nicely as well. Yeah, I've, I've gone back on our chat and found a message I sent on the 8th of June. I can't even remember who was playing. Was that the St. Kilda versus someone? I was like, remember when 74-60 was a halftime score? Yeah, exactly. And then my next comment was, it'd be four goals less if they actually enforced 15-meter marks and didn't call BS 50s too. <laughs> actually, that was probably the game we lost. I think that was that was us. I think I was pissed off. Yeah, at, yeah St. Kilda. It was the St. Kilda game. Yeah, so that's this uh, five-meter mark thing. I've cracked the code. Yeah. That's why they call them because the score lines would be a winning score would be five goals, 14 or something. Just if it comes off the boot, if it goes a meter, it <laughs> just get rid of the 15. Well, maybe. Umpires are dickheads and they can't. Maybe. Count. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't pass five. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of with you, mate. I'm watching kind of three games a week. And now, that, uh, yeah. My game, the Dockers game, and then maybe a Friday night or a, yeah. Uh, Obviously, I'll ramp up for finals as well, but there's too much cricket on, and yeah. So yeah. the the obvious question thing is neither of us are watching a whole lot right now. Who can win it? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Oh, I think it's wide open based on what I have seen. Wide open. That's interesting because I've got the complete opposite. Well, Collingwood keep winning, but they keep winning in really close games. I saw the dogs today against Freo. Okay, they pulled away at the end, but they weren't particularly convincing. Melbourne haven't been particularly convincing. Brisbane can't win away from home. Geelong aren't even in the eight, are they? Or they're about the bottom of the eight no. by virtue of the draw with no, us, which is fucking, oh my God. Like, that was so painful. That was so painful. And I was I was saying like, oh, Plugger's still alive, so he can't be turning in his grave. What would he be doing? Like, Plugger, plug, he'd just be turning. He'd be turning on a He would be turning. <laughs> yeah, right. Rotisserie, yeah. <laughs> Plugger would be turning. No one can kick for goal anymore. Oh my God. Isaac Heaney, literally, I don't know, did you see any of it? You were probably watching the cricket. I heard this, the 
yeah, I heard the moans of like the the Tom Hickey miss. And- oh my god, the Tom Hickey miss! But get this, Isaac Heaney had two out on the falls in consecutive kicks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Get this, get this. Yeah, I know. Right near the end. Three for the oh yeah, so, believe yeah. me, I remember the one near the end. Fuck. <laughs> Honestly, like this is how I felt last. Yeah, week. no, this I like. It's hard being an Eagles. I actually feel sorry for, but. Literally, I'm not even joking. And I'd love to ask Swampy if it's probably not even possible to track. With two consecutive kicks, Henny had two out on the falls by hitting both point posts. Uh, what are the fucking odds? What are the odds? At least three and one. What like in two kicks to hit both point posts? Three to one. Sweet Jesus. Nah, it's and then, like and and fuck. We're lucky we even escaped with a draw because they got ahead by seven or eight with only a couple of minutes left and and we came home with a wet sail as far as possession was concerned. I mean, in the first quarter, we dominated possession, but when Robbie Fox missed that one running into an open goal at the end, I was like, I hate you. And <laughs> my girlfriend and her best friend were like, what? Like what? Fiance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hate you every time, yeah. They're yeah. like, what? What? You don't hate Robbie Fox. Who, who do you hate? And I was like, 40. I hate 40. Word. Oh, it was hard. Word. It was hard. No, I get it. Yeah. Anyway. Right, my counter to that... Yeah, we'll okay, count you. And I, no, and I, throw some water on me. I, I agree entirely with you. I, I have said, yeah, right from the start, you know, there's there's far too many inconsistent sides. You've, you've pretty much rattled off most of the sides I was looking at in terms of, yeah, Brisbane, they can't win a final. Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Adelaide, St Kilda, Essendon, all inconsistent. There's every likelihood Geelong gets in. But again, they're like when they're in a final, you never know. So... I kind of looked at it and I said, at the moment, I feel like it's a two-horse race. I feel like Collingwood and Port are the two teams. and oh, They're definitely the favourites. I don't think it's a two-horse race. But, yeah, maybe it's finally think, Port's here. I think at the moment it is. And let me let me run you through the whole thing with Port. So Port have just won their 12th straight game. Yep, very impressive. So they're doing incredibly well. They've, they beat Essendon today. They've had wins over Geelong, the Western Bulldogs, Richmond and Melbourne. They're cr- We're all Richmonds. Yeah, I know, but still... I mean, you can make the same case about Geelong right now, but... Well, I guess so, yeah. What I think is really crazy about Port Adelaide, it, there's some stats I've got here that, that kind of illustrate just how evenly spread their team is. So, you, you know, there's there's teams that are incredibly top-heavy. So get this. They do not have a single player in the top 20 for possessions per game. Zach Butters leads them at 23rd in the league. Their leading goal kicker is Jeremy Finlayson, who sits equal 15th. Charlie Dixon is 44th in the league right now with just 17 goals. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. He's tied with Sam Powell Pepper. Uh, Todd Marshall has 21. And they've only got one guy ranked above 35th in the league in tackles. So That's a good sign. Yeah. So, like, they're so evenly spread yeah, yeah, and yeah. so deep right the way around. They've got a whole team that they feel like they can count on. Whereas, you know, if you look at Collingwood, for example... They've got a lot of game winners. They've obviously got uh, Dacos, the, the Dacos boys, Pendles, Pendles Moore, Dugowie. You know, they've got a lot of guys. They've, they've got the best defense in the league. They can kick scores if the ball gets forward to them. So they, they, they even can... Coxie's looking good when people aren't ripping his glasses off. Well, yes, there is that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of look at that and I, and I just say those are the two teams right now. I don't have huge faith in any of the other teams in a final series. Obviously, we know that Melbourne and Geelong have a big history of it and they've done well in the past few years. Neither of them are really setting the world on fire right now. I mean, okay, Melbourne, 
like the games that they're losing, they haven't lost by much. Um, I mean, they lost to what 15 points to Geelong. They lost by what seven to the Dockers, four points to Port. So they've been in those games, but at the moment, it just to me, it feels like a two horse race. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So. Well, I don't think we've asked that question all season. Yeah. So it was about time we did. What are the Eagles paying? $501. There you go. Jeez, at some point they've just got to close the books. Yeah, not too, surely. Like, well, what do you it's, not, it's not even mathematically possible. Uh, surely, yeah. is it? Well, maybe. I wouldn't think so. No, there's nine games left. They could get to 10 wins. Yeah, okay. So it's still. 10 wins would just get them in the top. The four mathematical four. possibilities will, will be gone in a week or two. Ridiculous. A couple of stats quickly. Swampy did have some things. Now, this is interesting. Drawn VFL-AFL matches featuring the previous year grand final teams. It's happened six times. 1901, Melbourne and Fitzroy. 1917, Fitzroy and Carlton. 32, Geelong and Richmond. 52, Geelong and Essendon. 57, Melbourne and Collingwood. 2023, Geelong and Sydney. Yeah. So the first time in over 50 years. So that's interesting. And I quote has taken 46,073 days, but the set is now complete. All of the eight inaugural VFL-AFL teams have now played in draws versus every other inaugural VFL-AFL team. Yeah. So, geez, it was a funny game of footy, but uh, my, oh, my. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. End of part one, cricket and footy done. Plenty of NBA on its way in part two. Absolutely, mate. And I tell you what, I'm not going to lie, I'm a lot more excited about the third test than I am about the AFL for the rest of the season. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not a great time to be an Eagles fan, as we know. Slightly better time to be a Swans fan, but yeah, not uh, a whole lot to be excited about, except for the cricket. Oh, yes, very much looking forward to that. And it's not going to be a long wait. By the way, there was a scorigami in GWS and Melbourne, 47-45. Stewie Jew nearly sacked. Until next time, I'm Nath. And I'm Stu. We are the Spot Blokes. Lots. Really lots. <laughs> <laughs> really lots. <laughs>